I want to invite everyone to open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Uh, we're continuing our series on emotions today, and we'll be in Revelation 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. Do you guys know what the most dangerous animal in Africa is? I used to think like maybe it was like some kind of snake or you know, like crocodiles. It's actually hippos. Hippos kill more people in Africa than any other animal on the whole continent. Uh, and, and that's what's crazy is because hippos, they don't eat meat. They're herbivores. They eat plants. But they're still super territorial and will just kill you in an instant. They're very, very aggressive. Well, there's a guy named uh, Marius. Marius? I'm going to call him Marius. That's a little bit easier to say. Uh, and he lived in South Africa. Uh, and he, somehow he obtained a hippo as a calf and decided to raise it. Uh, so he would swim with this hippo. He'd ride on his back like a horse. There's even like a video on the internet of him riding his hippo. And he would even brush its teeth. I don't know that hippos really need their teeth brushed, but he, that's what he would do. It'd be kind of crazy. They have those gigantic like tusks, don't they? Anyway, he, he even described uh, his relationship with Humphrey as being like a son to him. He said, and I quote, There's a relationship between me and Humphrey, and that's what people don't understand. They think you can only have relationships with dogs, cats, and domestic animals. But I have a relationship with the most dangerous animal in Africa. I guess we can give him credit that it was true up until the point that um, paramedics found Marius's body in a river, having been mauled and bitten several times by uh, this hippo. You hear stories like this all the time. People think that they can have some kind of special relationship with a wild animal, snake, a monkey, a hippo, or they may, maybe they live with bears or gorillas, and they imagine the special connection that they have with them, and it's not like other animals, but in the end, it always seems to end up on the news as a tragedy. This is exactly how apathy works. Apathy, indifference, lukewarmness. We imagine that we can make peace with it. We can slip into indifference and let other people do the work and we can coast along. And we like to imagine it's not going to harm us like it does other people. But at the end of the day, apathy is deadly. Indifference is deadly. And when we think about emotions, we usually think about the big ones like joy and, and fear and sorrow. But often what doesn't come to our mind is Lack of emotions. Not having emotion at all. And when it comes to Scripture, how we respond in our hearts and with our emotions tells us everything we need to know. And that response could look like apathy or indifference or lukewarmness. So look at chapter Revelation chapter 3 with me. And let's read, starting in verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot, neither cold nor hot. Would that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, 
and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to eat him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Google can be a really good thing or a really bad thing. So Google is really good uh, when I wanted to find my way around a car, fix a car myself, get rid of fleas on our animals, uh, and even like to build a cabinet. But also, thanks to Google, I have also found the worst information imaginable. Uh, I've thought I've had cancer and thought our dog might have a life-ending parasite, right? Everybody's familiar with Googling symptoms and what pops up. It's like the worst possible thing. Thank you, Google, for many unnecessary anxieties. Google is not a great place to look up symptoms. But symptoms are where we have to start. And so the first realization that we need to see are the symptoms of apathy. Symptoms of apathy. Let's look up symptoms of apathy. So in verse 14, the introduction of this letter to Laodicea is very similar uh, to how he introduces himself to all the other churches. And so at this point in Revelation, uh, uh, many of us are familiar with this, uh, Jesus is addressing individual churches in different parts of the world at that time, each with its own challenges and problems. And the way he introduces himself is unique to each one. So he doesn't say the same thing about himself to each church. And what he says is is important. And here Jesus describes himself as the words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of God's creation. I think Jesus uses, calls himself Amen for a couple of reasons. One, it is the last letter to the churches in, in Revelation. So, amen, kind of being the closing. He's also the amen in that he's the final word that God has spoken, right? What does Hebrews 1 say? In the past, God has spoken in in many ways and in different times through his prophets, but now he has spoken through his son. So, the son, Jesus, is the final word. He's the amen. He also described himself as the faithful and true witness. While Google might not be able to diagnose your symptoms, Jesus can And he will. He's a true and faithful witness. And couple that with the beginning of God's creation. Some of your translations say ruler. It's actually the same word. And, you know, they both convey the sense that he is before all creation, before and above. And so you couple all these things together. And basically what you come out with is a very serious introduction. You can find many people to tell you many different things. But Jesus is here to tell you the truth. When I go to the doctor and he tells me to watch for symptoms, 
that, that I might be susceptible to as a 31-year-old dude. I'm going to listen in. How much more with the one who is before and above all creation? Think, yeah, just think, if, if this is how Jesus addresses himself to the church, eyes and ears are perfect. And so this, so he, that's how he introduces himself. This is how he diagnoses them. Verse 15. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. What are their symptoms? They're not cold and they're not hot. They're lukewarm. Now, when he uses those words, cold and hot, he could be referring, say, to the state of their souls. So hot means like you're really on fire for God, you know, zealous, filled with zeal, and cold is just, is just you know, um, not, maybe a non-believer. Like, and, and he's saying, I, I wish you were either one and not just this lukewarm state. But I, I, and it could be that, but I think he's using water as a metaphor, right? Because what do you do with cold water? You drink cold water. Brush your teeth, water your garden. What do you do with hot water? Make coffee and hot chocolate. You bathe in warm hot water. You you clean up messes. You wash dishes. So so cold and uh, hot water have many uses. And what do you do with lukewarm water? It's not really useful for anything. The point is that lukewarm water just doesn't do anything. And that's the state of these people's souls. It doesn't matter, right? It, like, it, even if they were, even if he is saying, like, I wish that you were, like, on fire or just a non-believer, the whole point is they're li- acting like unbelievers because they're not doing anything. And that's why he's indicting them. They're neither hot nor cold. They're, they're lukewarm. They're apathetic. They're indifferent. And he can't do anything with them. So it's important to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be lukewarm? What does it look like to be lukewarm? Here are some signs, and these are just a few. And these are really important. So here are signs that you might be lukewarm. You hardly read your Bible. Um, pastors that fail in, in ministry and end up having an affair, one of the main consistent indicators um, that happens in their lives is they quit reading their Bibles. So you hardly read your Bible. Your prayer life is shallow and sparse. You don't think deeply on holiness, how you're either growing in holiness or reflecting holiness. You get joy out of many other things except for God. Lukewarmness looks like not being moved by people's lostness. You're indifferent to whether people go to hell. Or that your Christianity is more of a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night kind of thing. And it's important, right? Those are, those are symptoms that you might be lukewarm. Those are red flags, right? If you see it, you do something about it. I'm not asking you, how do you feel about being apathetic? I'm saying, look at your life, and if this is your practice, those are warning signs for you. And I want to point out here, too, that for all the other churches 
they all dealt largely with external threats, right? So false teaching that they've allowed in or, or um, uh, persecution, challenges from the outside. There was definitely like internal stuff, but a lot of it was due to outside pressures. What's unique about this church in Laodicea is that the main threat comes solely from the inside out. The threat doesn't come from the outside. It it starts in here. They're like this king in this castle. And he's built up walls. And he's, he's protected in every possible way from the outside. But he doesn't realize that cancer is killing him. This church is dying from the inside out. And so we can have all of our problems solved. We can have the most accurate theology. We can protect ourselves from heresy and false gospels. But Jesus says, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's strong language. That's judgment language. So if there are symptoms of lukewarmness, of apathy, then this means we go to the emergency room. We've got a problem and we need Christ to fix it. It's the Gospel though, isn't it? Our biggest threat is our sin against God, but God is the only one we can go to refuge for that. But, here's the deal. It's not good if you have cancer from smoking and the doctor doesn't tell you what's causing your cancer. say so He can tell you you have cancer, but if he doesn't tell you what's causing your cancer, that's going to do no good. And just act like we're like in the 40s and smoking is still cool, okay? So the second realization we need to see are the causes of apathy. The causes of apathy. Jesus says, you are lukewarm, a- apathetic. Verse 17, for you say, I am rich. I have prospered, and I need nothing. The main cause of apathy and lukewarmness for the church in Laodicea was riches. And I think at this point, we're we're at, at Liberty Baptist Church, right? We're off the beaten path. Our address is Farm Road 66. I don't think any of us are going to look at ourselves and say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm I've got riches." But before we start talking about riches and maybe comparing ourselves, you know, and whether we're rich or not, we need to talk about the heart issue. And the heart issue is comfort. I'm kind of in this unspoken battle with my brother. And it happens when we go to Mississippi. Now, my mom has two guest rooms in her house. And this unspoken battle is to see who can get there first Not because we can see who can get there fastest, but to see who gets the most comfortable room before the other person. Each time we go down there, Mal always asks me, who's going to get the good room? It's silly because the other room is just fine. It's not like one room is like this, not, you know, this big comfy bed and the other one's like a straw mat. They're both great rooms, but the point is to show that our hearts as a people are drawn by comfort. We want a comfortable home, a comfortable job, comfortable retirement. 
people and pastors love power because they can fall into comfort. Having power over others puts you in a position of comfort. And we can be so led astray by comfort that anything that challenges us or demands sacrifice is seen as a threat. And what we end up doing is in lukewarm Christianity, this is what lukewarm Christianity is. is wanting the benefits of Christianity without following the demands of Christ. Lukewarm Christianity is wanting the benefits of Christianity without following the demands of Christ. So getting fellowship, right, in the church, getting into heaven, all the benefits of Christianity. And following the demands of Christ is wildly uncomfortable. Jesus says, for you say, I am rich and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that following Him means we are always needy. Always dependent. Always recognizing our weaknesses and limitations. And that church is not a comfortable place to be. But that is where we will be as long as we follow Christ and carry crosses. This is why Jesus never tells people to give 10%. He says, give all. Jesus doesn't say, a little sin is okay. He says, gouge out your eyes. He doesn't say, serve a little and receive a little. He says, die to yourself and become a servant. One of my favorite Christian artist. His name is Matt Papa. And one song he wrote is called Stay Away From Jesus. And the lyrics go like this. You won't ever hear this song on Christian radio. Because the Jesus that I serve is not safe. He'll say, take your cross and die. So if you want a comfy life, stay away from Jesus. Challenging song. And I think he titles it that way and phrases it that way because it's supposed to shock us. Causes of apathy and how your heart is led astray by comfort. But we face a big problem here. Because it comes down to a matter of want. Whether we truly want to carry the cross. Whether we see it is worth it. So we come to the third realization that we need to see the solution to apathy. Symptoms of apathy, causes of apathy, and now the solution to apathy. Jesus says in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. As usual, the Bible is not a self-help book. Just get rid of the negative emotions in your life. Give your stuff away and you'll be happy. No, the Bible is not a self-help book. It's a book that points to a person. Jesus. The solution to apathy is not to try harder. It's not to feel harder or to do something better. 
The solution to apathy is to find the gold of Christ more precious than the gold of earth. We will only carry our cross if the Jesus we follow is worth losing everything for. One of the great challenges of a healthy life is how good comfort food makes us feel right now. That's why we call it comfort food. Popeye right now, Popeye's, not Popeye, Popeye's sounds good, better right now than healthy down the road. Give me some fried chicken, buttermilk, biscuit, and Cajun fries. Please and thank you. Right, Clay? Down south, right? Down south, brothers. But if I want to be healthy and forego those things, I have to believe with every fiber of my being that I'm going to feel exponentially better. Not just like, oh, I'll feel a little better by choosing to be healthy and not eating McDonald's, but I mean like worlds apart better. That's the question we must ask ourselves of Jesus. Not, yeah, following Jesus and dying to ourselves is better, but worlds apart better. Exponentially better. So, we give more of our money because Jesus is better than money. We give more of our time because Jesus is worth our time. We give our rights up because we are slaves to Christ. We share our homes because Jesus is worth it. Verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. It's a fascinating verse. It's not our repentance that leads to Jesus' love. It's Jesus' love that leads to our repentance. It's Jesus who keeps us. But listen, it's because He keeps us that we repent. This takes following Christ in this way and repenting in this way is a lifetime of work. It's a lifetime of of continual humbling and a continual pursuit of Christ to fight the onset of apathy. So uh, back when I was in seminary, um, I used to preach to our youth group at church. And I, I did this a couple times. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard like a guy in seminary preach, but they get real heavy and like real boring. So I didn't didn't realize this. So I had taught a couple times, and uh, one of my friends who was a who volunteered, we were talking, and he was like, "Yeah, when I, when we break up in small groups, he's like, yeah, my my dudes, he had older high school dudes, they're like, man, I know Willis has a lot of good stuff to say, but." And he meant that as a compliment, like like that, you know, I'm saying a lot of good stuff, and, but I, I read in between the lines that they think I'm boring. I gotta step it up a notch, right? And it takes, on my part, it took like a realization that I don't have it all together and I have to continually know I need to grow if I'm going to get better. And that's just not true of preaching. It's true of every area of life, especially following Christ. It takes a continual pursuit of Christ, a humbling ourselves, testing ourselves, looking at ourselves, examining ourselves, and pursuing Him 
to fight the onset of apathy. So following Christ is worth it solely because of who Christ is. But following Christ is worth it also because of our last point, conquering of apathy. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The invitation to repent is an invitation to eat. To dine with Christ. And one reason we avoid repentance is because it's painful. Repentance is painful. It requires tears and confession and honesty and, 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 and a lot of times guilt is mixed in with there and fear. It's not. It's painful. Repentance is, is the opposite of comfort. But we've got to realize that repentance leads to a feast. It took a lot of work, but on, on Father's Day I decided to smoke a pork butt. So, uh, on a day that, right, I'm busy anyway, and, and it's Sunday, right, this year, and I'm preaching and everything. It's Sunday, it's Sunday every year. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's Sunday every year. Anyway, so I'm preaching and everything, and I get up at 4 a.m. because I'm dedicated to having this pork butt. So, 4 a.m., getting it on there, monitoring it all day. It was work. But we ended up with a feast. And, man, I am still eating on that pork butt like a month later. In the free, from the freezer, right? I froze it, so it's not gross. It's still really good. We are lulled into apathy because we think that's where we're going to get satisfaction. But true satisfaction comes as we put our flesh to death and pursue Christ. Verse 21. I love this verse here. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on His throne. What an amazing verse. He says, not sit beside me, but sit with me on my throne. We're lulled into apathy when we try to make a throne here on earth. That's, this is where we want our thrones to be. But Christ promises us an eternal and so we want to give up our thrones here so that we can sit on the throne there with Christ. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a fitting conclusion. And he says this at the end of each um, letter to the churches, but it's a fitting one because having an ear, when Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear it, it means responding to God's word. So how we go home and respond to this word right here shows us whether we have ears to hear. You might hear and agree. You might say, apathy's bad, Christ is good, and you go home and you don't change. That's exactly what lukewarmness is. And if we go home in apathy, Christ will spit us out of His mouth. 
That's a terrifying image. But if we go home in repentance, we will dine with Christ. And truthfully, we can talk about how we respond to the Word all day, but it starts first with responding to Christ. Because you'll never respond to the Word the way that you should until you've responded to Christ in faith and repentance. To the Christ who says, follow me and carry your cross and die to yourself, believing and repenting and and trusting in that Christ. A Christ who calls us out of our comfort, who calls out our idols, who warns us with judgment. So your first step is to respond to that Jesus because that Jesus also says, I don't want to spit you out of my mouth. I want to eat with you. So he invites you. He's standing and knocking at the door. Respond to Christ. And those of us who have trusted in Christ, who do believe in Him, who are repenting, let us respond to His Word and repent of continual apathy. And we want to give up the idol of comfort for the riches of Christ. So as you go home, examine yourself, search your hearts, and ask God to show you the ways that you're apathetic. Show you how you can put comfort to death and pick up a cross. He is faithful, and He will show you. And then you will have a feast with Let's pray as we respond to God's Word. Father God, all of us in this room are guilty of apathy. Lord, I don't believe sincerely that there is one person who can say apathy is not a continual struggle. Because we're all in love with riches. And and all of us in this room have many riches, many things to distract us. God, have mercy on us. Keep us from apathy. Keep us from lukewarmness. Show us that we are blind and naked without You. Help us to see it. Help us to feel it. Help us to be needy and to feel needy that we would continually be dependent on You. God, I pray, I pray that for anyone who doesn't know You, Lord, that they would respond as You you knock on the door. 